Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back, everybody, for this week leading up to Sunday, November 6th, this week, which includes All Saints Day. So happy All Saints Day, everyone. That's right. And All Hallows' Eve, All Saints Day, All Souls' Souls Day, Day. Triduum Mm -hmm. to everyone as well. Maybe you're celebrating all those things in your church community. Maybe you're having a special All Saints Day service on the 1st. Maybe you're celebrating All Saints on the 6th. Possible too. Which is the movable feast day. So if you are celebrating All Saints on the 6th, you won't hear the gospel we'll be talking about today. Mm -hmm. But you can still think about it. Today we'll, we'll be talking about uh, the gospel for proper 27 in year C, which is the non-All Saints reading for this upcoming Sunday. The 27th, which is four weeks from this coming Sunday, three weeks from this coming Sunday, is Advent 1. So we're, we're getting close to a new liturgical season, everyone. I hope everybody's getting ready, getting their liturgical New Year's celebrations prepared. Oh, I'm going to have such a party. For the evening of the 26th, mm-hmm. where at 12.01 we celebrate the new liturgical year. That's not a real thing. We don't really do that, so don't worry. We'll be entering Matthew's year, uh, which will majority be in uh, the year 2023. And before we get into our gospel uh, discussion for this upcoming Sunday, again, proper 27, we need to check in about where we saw God this week. And by we, I mean Charlotte. You mean me. I I know. Um, And actually, I'm really excited about it, David. I could pick from like... 35 God sightings this week. I know. Um, Can you say them all in 35 seconds? No. Okay. Um, But they all happened at Camp Stevens this past weekend, our diocesan camp in a place that always helps me to feel close to God. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happened in community with people that helped me to feel like the best version of myself, Mm -hmm. which was, it was our annual children, youth, and family leadership retreat at Camp Stevens, a time for both Sabbath and from learning um, and for doing important work together. And oh my goodness, did these exceptional humans do so much work Mm -hmm. together. Like that, that in and of itself was like God's hands and feet in the world. But what I wanted to highlight as my God's sighting was God in the raw places. And that was that our work on Saturday morning, we have been doing a three-part series um, about youth mental health and how we support the young people that are in our programs um, coming out of this pandemic, living in this world that we live in right now, and just naming the fact that new skills are required of us than used to be required in the field that we work in, and supporting both the young people and their families. And the third session was hard. Um, it was the it was a one on um, suicide prevention and thinking about how we have all experienced that in our own lives, in our faith communities, how we address it, how we talk about it, um, and how we talk about um, mental health in general, which has been an ongoing theme in this three-part series. In this very real, very raw, very powerful program that we had in that morning, watching the deep connection that tied all of us together throughout it for me was just such a a tangible experience of God. Like I could feel God's love present in that room, um, holding people, helping people, just being with us in that space. There was a presence with us as we did that work. Amazing. Yeah. God in all those really hard 
spaces and conversations. Mm-hmm. I had an experience like that this weekend too, and it was so wonderful. You know, just in like an uncomfortable but like hopeful conversation, mm. group conversation. So nice. Yeah. So nice. And I, kind of a different experience than what I normally think of when I think of a God sighting, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's palpable, mm-hmm. I think, especially in in reflecting back and retrospect mm-hmm. on it. Uh, so thank you so much, Charlotte, for sharing that. And we would always love to hear from you all about your God sightings and your stories or questions or comments from this week of faith discussion and reflection. You can always find all those ways of getting in contact with us, leaving a voicemail, sending a text message, an email, direct message, or tagging us on Instagram, or even a message in the chat through our website, myfaithtogo.org. So we'd always love to hear from you whenever you'd like to share any of those things with us. Well, and David, there is a new opportunity for people to send us a God sighting or a reflection on the gospel or anything like that. Amazing. I know. I'm actually really excited about it. But as you guys have heard the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure you've seen on the internet too, um, the Good News Festival is coming up. And we just found out that faith to go is going to be recording live at live. the Good News Festival. In person. I know. You can come see our faces. Yeah. I don't know that that's exciting, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can come and hang out with us and laugh with us and be part of the conversation and maybe share a God sighting with us, you know, when you stop by. But David and I will be at the Good News Festival on December 10th at the Town and Country Hotel at 10 a.m. to record a live Faith to Go episode. And we hope that you will come by and see us and be part of the conversation. Please. This is a long time dream I've had for five plus years of having a live episode with real people there. Not pretend so, people, real not people. Not pretend people, because mm-hmm. right now all of you live inside of my head. I'm making you up. <laughs> I'm imagining that you exist. I'm talking to you as if you're here and you're not. Right. But if someone was actually here, right. that would be so fun. It would be so like fun. Like a real live audience. So that will be exciting. Uh, we'll have more information about that coming up. Uh, but you can, you can put it on your calendar, December 10th at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. The Town & Country will be somewhere there, and we will have our specific location for you. So you can come by. Share God sighting with us. Maybe a thought about the upcoming gospel, if you've read it ahead. Maybe a thought about the Good News Festival itself, something you've experienced. We'd love to hear all those things. And so now we are going to move into our discussion for this week's gospel, Proper 27 in Year C again. It's from the 20th chapter of Luke. Charlotte is going to read it, and then I'll share some context, and then we'll each have a point. The gospel reading is Luke 20, verses 27 38. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so on in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die any more, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection." And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
Now he is God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. Alive! (laughs) They're alive! (laughs) Oh, man. You know, there's two verses that we don't have here for some reason. Why don't they put these in, 39 and 40, you think? I don't know. I I think they're perfectly good for this section here. I know. They're affirming. I know. Now, so at the end here, there's verses 39 and 40, which are, Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared to ask him another question. And there's this, there are, this is paralleled in other Gospels because there's other sections like this where, well, this is kind of the context here because we have, this is, this is coming at the end of a long section, pretty much all of chapter 20 and even maybe the end of chapter 19. So as we've been talking about, we're leading up to chapter 19 where Jesus enters Jerusalem. And then so Jesus is, is in Jerusalem at this point, you know, and goes to the temple and drives out, you know, people that are profiting, you know, and changing money and stuff. And then... And then all this, this kind of string of people, chief priests and elders and scribes and Pharisees and now Sadducees are coming to Jesus trying to like question his mm-hmm. authority. And it's interesting because like this really gets ramped up. This doesn't happen so much, you know, in the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. But now that he's kind of in the heart, the ep- kind of epicenter of the power structure of, of his community, like there's really so much anxiety, a lot of pushback, like very mm-hmm. active, like trying to trying to get him. I mean, at, at different points, they're like, they really wanted to arrest him, but they couldn't figure out how. After he said that, they wanted to lay hands on him and take him away. You know, like, they're really upset. <laughs> and But that's an indication of how much Jesus is shaking up the system. Like, in any system, whether large or small, this is what's going to happen when someone starts to disrupt the power structures. You know, it creates all this anxiety. People want to get back to the status quo. So they're trying to they're trying to expel Jesus however, however they can. Just mm-hmm. get rid of him. They're trying to catch him in this section is where they ask him about like paying taxes to Caesar, you know? So when they're trying to either catch him and saying a thing that's illegal so that they can arrest him, they're trying to kind of undermine his authority and with people so that either if they can't arrest him, maybe they can get people to just kind of stop listening to him, stop believing him, you know? And then in this one, they're trying to do this kind of theological pushing, you know, prodding. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, what about this thing? If you believe in the resurrection. So they're just trying to like undermine in any way Jesus's kind of inherent power and authority. And this will be something about my point is just like, but Jesus recognizes that their power is coming from two very different places. And that's the card that he's constantly playing with them, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting to watch. So anyway, that's where we are. We're at the, you know, almost the end of chapter 20 going to be a a few more chapters before Jesus's arrest. So we've got some more uh, parables and some more interactions that Jesus is going to have last supper. The betrayal of Jesus is, is at the end of chapter 22. So that's where we are. And Charlotte has the first point. I do. And it's funny, David, because as you were talking just now, um, this video flashed into my head. I don't know. Were you a West Wing person? Did you ever watch the show, The West Wing? Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the West Wing, very often um, when C.J. Craig would be going in to talk to the press, they would say, don't accept the premise of the question. Mm. And that's literally what Jesus does in all of these situations is he refuses to accept the premise of the of the question. Mm -hmm. And I think that that actually kind of goes to my point Mm -hmm. in a way. And that is because not only does Jesus not accept the premise of their question, which is about the resurrection. But he basically tells them that they're asking the wrong question. Yeah. 
right? right. Which is something that Jesus seems to do. Mm-hmm. And over and over and over again. <laughs> Repetitive Jesus. Yeah. He's really hard to pin down. I know, right? Um, but one of the things that I was thinking about in all of this is that what I hear from Jesus in this is that they're bringing up the idea of the resurrection and living into it through this question, but in it, they're using women as an illustration in it under the patriarchal understanding that women are property mm-hmm. and that the women in this situation have no value outside of how they belong to a husband. And so therefore, when their husband dies, that they have to be married to his brother so that they can produce children for that person. And if that person dies over and over again, so seven times in this hypothetical woman's life Mm -hmm. has she not been a person Mm -hmm. until she was married off again Mm -hmm. to another husband and that her value only exists in that relationship, mm-hmm. in being owned mm-hmm. um, by the man to whom she is married. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus's response in this is that there is going to come a time when women are not property. Mm-hmm. It, it is prophetic, right? I was thinking about this in conjunction with a conversation that I was having with one of my adult children the other day. Growing up, I remember reading the book Little Women, and then as my children got older, I gave them my copy. It was one of those treasured books that I kept and passed on, and so now my youngest owns my copy of Little Women. Mm -hmm. She's read it probably four times at this point. And in 2019, a new movie version came out of it, and it was it was great. And most people will recognize that in the book, Little Women, that Joe is a feminist, mm-hmm. right? Like that that is definitely part of her story arc is that she doesn't want to be married, that she wants to be a journalist and, you know, all of these things. And yet Amy, who is in it, everybody's going to read Little Women after this podcast, by the way. Um, but Amy, who is in it, is a challenging character for those of us who identify as whole human beings in and of our own self, because in the book, um, she is all about getting off and getting married and, and being rich. The director of the movie made a choice in which to allow us to see Amy through a new light. And she had this speech that was so powerful that I pulled it up to share as part of this gospel also. Um, Amy is talking to Lori and she is saying, of course she was going to marry Rich and he asks her about why she wouldn't just marry for love. And she says, I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money, not enough to earn a living wage or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. And so that popped into my head as I was doing my research for this gospel and thinking about what we were going to talk about because that book was written a long time after Jesus and it was written about the world in that space. In fact, the author who wrote the book, Louisa May Alcott, wrote it in two sections. And at the end of the first section, her publisher had her marry off one of the characters in order for them to be willing to publish it. And it was only after it was so well received that the second half of that book was even written. So like lots of interesting things as part of that. So, but then as I was wrestling with that piece of dynamic, then I was thinking about the world we live in today and how that disparity still exists in so many different areas and for so many different women Mm -hmm. um, and how that continues to be an ongoing struggle. 
And so then I go back to Jesus's prophetic voice. And anybody's prophetic voice isn't calling us just to listen and to think about and to argue and to all of those things, but to do the work um, necessary for the world to change, to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And Jesus tells us in this reading what the kingdom looks like, you know, that there will come a time when this is not the case. And yes, the resurrection, but also the kingdom here on earth. And I just was thinking about it, especially with everything that's going on in Iran right now with the women that are over there and thinking like, what way are each of us called to do this work of allowing human beings to be seen as full and complete entities of their own, regardless of sex, gender, skin color, where we live in the world? In what way are we physically called to do the work and not just talk about it? Yeah, and there's so many ways that, like, in our U.S. context, there's either explicit or implicit messaging about a woman's worth being tied to being married or being a mother. Mm-hmm. And so... Of which I am both. Yeah. Happily. <laughs> right. Right? Like, yeah. I'm coming up on my 25th mm-hmm. wedding anniversary, and none of this is for me to say that those relationships don't matter in my life, but I'm Charlotte without them. And there's definitely a way that women are deemed unworthy when they're not married and when they don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And so many cultural forces pushing that expectation, you know, which undermines the whole purpose of, of life in the first place. Thinking about the, the, like, importance of people and their lived experience, like, dictating to us truth to me, you know, like, as a source of authority. And like I said in the, in the context section, like, this whole, there's this, this whole section is all these ways that these people in power in Jesus' community trying to undermine his own kind of power and authority. It's interesting because what Jesus seems, what Jesus knows and what they don't seem to recognize is that the reason that Jesus will, will never be able to be undermined is because his authority is coming from people and the way that his message and his way of being is resonating as true with people's experience, with their hopes for the world. And that power and authority of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders is the kind of is this institutional kind of top-down power that is all about kind of overpowering people, you know, and that Jesus's power comes from his desire to empower people. And so when he asks the first, like the, the way that this whole section kind of is, gets kicked off is that these elders, scribes, Pharisees, the chief priests, they come to Jesus and they say, well, and this is back in the beginning of chapter 20, where do you get your authority? Let me read it exactly, because one day as he was teaching the people in the temple, telling the good news, the chief priests and scribes came with the elders and said to him, tell us by what authority are you doing those things? Who is it who gave you this authority? You know? And so it's, this is in front of all the people, right? And the whole purpose is to like catch Jesus and to undermine his authority. So to be like, who's, who gave you the permission to do this? It certainly wasn't from us. It certainly wasn't from the institutional power sources from which you get authority. Officially, Jesus's response is indicative of his understanding of of this dynamic, which is he he says to them, "Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin?" And they're like, "Oh man, you guys!" They like huddle together and they're like, "Listen, if we say this one, if we say it's from God, then Jesus will be like, then why didn't you listen to John? Because like we're supposed to be like God people." Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "But if we say it's." 
from human origin, the people will stone us. <laughs> That's what they say. Because they were all convinced John was a prophet. Beautiful thing about it is like to Jesus, the answer is both. It's yes. It's like authority from God is important and authority from people is important as well. You know, like that if John is out there preaching this message and all these people are flocking to him and all these people are loving him and all these people are believing him and believing in his hope and vision, then that is like, that is the kind of, that is seconding the God motion. There's this equal weight between like God and the people who are living in the world, you know, and their experience and how important the lived experience of people is, you know, as a source of authority. Jesus is also recognizing that this is his position as well. You know, that yes, he has this clear call from God, but that call is backed up from all these people that are with whom his message is resonating. And the Pharisees and the, all the people kind of in this institutional power structure are stuck because they can't undermine his authority because his authority is coming from something that's more stable than theirs. And it is all the people, you know? And their, like, desires to undermine his authority, is the, the kind of motivation behind it is indicative of that problem for them, which is that they know that their authority is not coming from God. And their authority isn't even coming from the people. Their authority is coming from kind of this fear and control over others. And their, their, their kind of claim to authority is that they're the kind of gatekeepers to holiness. They're the gatekeepers to healing. They're the gatekeepers to God. And Jesus is like, no, God is free to everybody. Gatekeepers to God. Yeah. And so they are the gatekeepers to life, mm. you know? And Jesus says, no, God is the God of the living. God gives life free for mm. everybody, you know? And God is free for everybody. This is the thing that Richard Rohr says a lot, that, all Jesus, that Jesus was just coming to make God free for people. Whereas it seemed like you had to, you had to gain your worth Jesus saying, no, you're already worthy just by being and existing. And so I love that. And I just am struck by then how Jesus kind of like reinforcing this point in the very end there, that this whole section kind of wraps up this Jesus being challenged mm -hmm. and then switches after they say, Teacher, you have spoken well, and they no longer dare to ask him any questions. Then Jesus starts kind of flips the scripts and starts asking them questions. Like the very next thing he asked them was about, oh, if, if, if the Messiah is the son of David, why does David say, the Lord said to my Lord? You know, why is David called the Messiah Lord if the Messiah is his son? This whole kind of theological thing based on the Psalms. And that's, he's kind of like flipping it on them and starting to push on them, denouncing them and their, their power structure and stuff. But I love the fact that he's just like tying God's authority to the authority of the living, you know, to the authority of people. You know, that God is the God of all people. And that, mm -hmm. and that like, when, when all the people can come together and be like, this person has authority, then no, no institution gets to decide if this person is speaking for them or for God. That, like, God is amongst the people. And that the gatekeepers are actually, have actually positioned themselves on the other side of the gate from God if they're mm -hmm. on the other side of the gate from people. I like that image, but what I'm carrying with me is seconding God's motion. <laughs> I am because yeah. I'm thinking about like all the different ways in which we are called to do that. Like we've already heard where God stands on all of this, you know, love God right. with all your heart, soul, mind, and being, mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of those times that we are called to second God's motion, we know what God's motion is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and back to your point is like this thing about Jesus. If in this in this moment Jesus is like there is a future, there is a the age of the resurrection is when all these dead things have gone, mm-hmm. new things have grown, and the dead things that need to pass away are all these oppressive structures and ideas. And one of those is about women, women's worth, you know, and their full humanity. Mm-hmm. And like God recognizes that already. And when are we going to? I second God's motion. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And it has to be seconded all the time and with words and actions and every systemic thing and individual Mm -hmm. thing too. So those are our two points for today. Point number one was Charlotte's. We just actually just recapped it. (laughs) Yes, we did. It was about women and and the worth of women and moving towards this prophetic age that Jesus describes, working towards the kingdom of God where all people are uh, respected and, and seen for their full worth and humanity. Number two was mine, and it was about uh, seconding God's motion and uh, the way that Jesus, you know, finds his source of authority from people and God. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that the God of the living is the God amongst the people, working through the people, loving and thinking and believing through people. So we would always love to hear from you. What would your third point have been if you'd been on the pod this week? You can always get in contact with us with any of your God sightings or questions or comments or stories from faith discussion and reflection by using any of those links in the description for this podcast. You can also find in the description for the podcast a link to the Good News Festival website, and we will be live there at 10 o'clock on the 10th of December. And there will be, you know, a million other things happening as well. So go find out all that information, uh, thegoodnewsfestival.com. And we will be back next week to talk about Proper 28 in Year C for the week leading up to Sunday, November 13th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.